What's up, everybody? This is Ian from the From the Stands podcast. Hey, we have a big announcement to make. We want to make sure we let uh, let the lucky winner know who won the Joe Thornton signed puck. Sean, let him know. We got a lot of impressions, Ian. It was a really, really good contest. Thanks again to our sponsor, Homes by Steven, for setting this up for us. But the winner is Brett Magdi Photography. That's Brett Magdi Photography. He was the lucky winner of the Joe Thornton signed puck. Please make sure to DM us at From the Stands on Instagram, and we will make sure that we get that puck to you. Enough of the plugs. Let's get to the podcast. podcast in a week but if we're gonna only have one let's make it about football let's make it about championship weekend and let's bring friends of the show on to have some fun with us the boys came on Ian. bring him in it's gonna be a hell of a weekend i cannot wait for it we have a massive massive ufc fight on saturday night and then we roll right into championship weekend so we had to bring on the boys we have mr connor murphy with us we have coach Colville with us as well. Thanks for coming on, boys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So before we get started, um, I just wanted to quickly jump into something here. And Sean doesn't even know that I wanted to do this, but um, sometimes I got to throw... I had a good idea. I got to throw a wrench in the works um, to our our host here. But um, just got word today that uh, Sid Sixero is moving on from Tim and Sid to take a job at Breakfast Television. The last episode of Tim and Sid will be in February, at the end of February, I think on the 26th is what they said. Now, you know, I don't want this to take long, but um, I think it's worth mentioning that, you know, they've been together for around 17 years. And I'm not under the impression that they're obviously going to listen to this. So that's not what it's for. I think it's more so just for me. But um, they've very much been a part of my life. And I know my brother, Sean, too, for as long as I can remember. Um, you know, I lived in the States for a while, but, you know, in the States, they, they had Mike and Mike. And in Canada, we had Tim and Sid. And we can't really even quantify their importance to this industry because it, 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 the reach knows no bounds. And, you know, I think the product that they put together is – one of the most iconic runs that we've ever seen in Canadian television, radio, podcasting, everything. And, you know, not to go too much into it, but um, as you guys probably know and have heard when on this show, I used to live in Portland, Oregon for a while. And when I moved out there, it was really tough in the beginning. You know, you move away from friends and family, my now wife, um, you do all that stuff and you have FaceTimes and, and you keep yourself occupied that way. But there are certain things that make you feel like home. And whenever I was homesick, I would throw on their podcast, throw on the radio show, radio show or search YouTube um, old Tim and Sid clips because it just made me feel better, made me feel like home. So to those guys, I know, you know, Sid is taking a job where he's still very much going to be visible. Tim, I think, is staying in a similar role to those guys and to anyone that's listened to them who's listening to us. Thank you. You have been a part of us for as long as I can remember. And I can tell you. When it, you know, really, really tough days in the beginning when I moved, you guys got me through 
a, a bunch of stuff along with friends and family. So I wanted to give a shout out to them because they're icons, man. I want so to thank build, you. I want to build on that a, a little bit as well, Ian, because it hit me hard too. You know, um, I, I had some pretty dark days as we all do. Uh, and f- for me, I had to go away for a little while. I had to fix myself. And, you know, maybe one day on this podcast, I'll, I'll open up about what those times were like. But they were the sunshine every day for me. For three hours from one to four, they were what I had. And it made life feel normal. And you know what? I, I'm still going to listen to Tim and get enter guest host here. Probably won't watch breakfast television. All the best to you, Sid. But, you know, they were an escape. They remained an escape. And a lot of people tried to fill that five o'clock time slot with Bob McCown around and without him around and failed. They did not. They thrived. They're a, they're a beacon of what you want to be in this industry, which is wholesome, hardworking, entertaining, real they edutainment as they would educate and entertain at the same time. Um, to your point, you know, I, they're probably not going to hear this, but thank you. It was, uh, it was an incredible run for my entire life growing up from, you know, them doing the early yeah. days at the score and, you know, the uh, jams of the week and just, you know, uh, um, all, anything that they had, right? Match games and cut or uncut, all that stuff. It's kind of shaped the industry here in Canada. So, well, yeah. And what we do, we don't do what we do, which, you know, obviously is at a, you know, nowhere near the level, but we don't do what we do if it's not for people like them that inspire us to want to do this. And I guarantee, I guarantee you for our generation, for our generation, there are tons of people our age who they had the same effect on. And, you know, like I said, you know, in the States, they have Mike and Mike, we had these guys and they inspired everyone our age that you didn't have to be some old crotchety guy to talk about sports. You could be people that look, act and talk just like you do. And I'm going to miss that. And it's not just the Sid rants. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss them. I'm sure there's great things ahead, but uh, no, I know they meant a lot to you and meant a lot to me. So I've wanted to get that off the top, but we can get to some football. Well, let's do it. Let's transition to some football. We want to do something a little bit different this week, guys, because there's only two games and, you know, we racked our brain. My brother and I had an arm arm wrestle, arm wrestling match where I wanted to throw around a bunch of stuff about other sports that are happening this weekend. Uh, and he won. He said, let's do football. That's what this should be about. But let's do a little game called Where To Next. And what this game entails is we wanted to focus on five teams who have been eliminated from the playoffs already. Because at nauseum has been discussed the Deshaun Watson and Houston Texans saga or do the Miami doll, you know, all that kind of stuff. We wanted to talk about teams that recently have been eliminated, who made the playoffs, who have some pieces, but may have to make some wholesale changes to get to the promised land in the 21-22 season. So we have five names. We're going to go around the horn. Are you guys ready? Oh, yeah. Ready, ready. So let's start in the NFC. The first team that we are throwing out to in where to next, Ryan Coville is your Los Angeles Rams. Where to next for the LA Rams? 
Um, you know, it's with the Rams. I mean, obviously, I, I was a big fan of theirs this year. I picked them a lot. Um, I thought that they were a Super Bowl contending roster with a um, below five hundred cal- caliber quarterback. Yeah. Um, oh, and nice. you know, and obviously, obviously, the quarterback thing is going to be the biggest thing with them this offseason. And you know, there's rumors out there that there's some sort of strained relationship between McVay and Goff. Who knows what's true about that? What's not true about that? I think they're kind of stuck together. So, you know, maybe they can get a quarterback late round, late in the round in the first round. I'm not really sure that that's their best course of action, but you know, I, I think they're kind of stuck with Goff. So, you know, I think they got to make it work. The biggest thing obviously to me is, was their defense was so good last year. They got a lot of cap issues. Who do they lose off their defense? Again, I'm not 100% sure that matters if, if you're not talking about the main two. So, I mean, they could lose John Johnson and, you know, go and draft another safety or go sign another safety. They could lose Leonard Floyd. Um, and obviously the big thing on their defense, they lost their defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley, who – it, from the sounds of it, they're talking. To, was it, is I don't I don't know if he's been hired yet. Is Raheem Morris has been out there for them, which I think would be a great replacement for him. But it would. You know, I, I think the Rams are fine. I, I think the Rams moving forward, they're a, they've got smart people up top who make good decisions. You know, the the this Rams and the Rams went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago are not the same team, but the, like the, but this Rams is still as competitive as ever because they're well coached, they're well managed. So. I think the Rams are fine. I mean, they got some cap stuff to deal with, but you know, obviously the quarterback thing is the is the big question mark. That's definitely the elephant in the room. And Connor, we're gonna see a lot of this. This it's a bit of a trend on this list is what do they do at quarterback? Because in the NFL, that's normally what the be all and end all can be outside of Seattle. Connor, where to next for the Los Angeles Rams? Yeah, I mean, they're handcuffed to Goff for a while now, for at least the next two seasons. And, it, you know, they're sealing offensively, really, unless for some reason they're able to really unlock something insane with Cam Akers that opens up the offense like Gurley did for him a few seasons ago. I, They just kind of have to get healthy and pray that they're going to be the same Rams the next year. I, I don't Unless they can find a way to pay a team, basically, to take Goff, get out from his contract and start over at quarterback. I don't really know what else they can do. I mean, they, yes, you have to nail your defensive coordinator still, but I mean, that kind of goes without saying, right. You need to fill your coordinator positions. Like that's just part of football. Um, yeah. They just get healthy, pray you're the same team next year. Really. I don't think they lose that many guys next season either. I was looking at that. I was trying to look at their cap situation earlier today. And I don't, I really, I don't think they have many guys either leaving to free agency or that are on, other than golf being on a terrible contract that are at risk of really being cut. That's going to depend. That's really going to depend. Um, I think their biggest swing piece is Andrew Whitworth. I mean, that guy is 40. That guy is still such a baller. And Bengals, the Bengals never should have never let him go. <laughs> no, he's still no, but, but who could predict he'd still be this good. I mean, he's outrageous. And look, he's a massive swing piece for them. And yes, Goff is going nowhere. I think he leaves like a $65 million dead cap hit or some outrageous number. Uh, that's according to Spotrack. So 
I believe that's the case, but I could have been using the site wrong. But $65 million dead cap hit, that's not happening. So, you know, I, I know the Rams have been sort of free and easy when it comes to cutting contracts that leave behind a dead number. That's not a dead number that they're going to be able to handle. So Goff will be back. And hey, you know, maybe they get, I think, you know, the interesting bit is going to be, I don't find the Rams all that interesting. Um, only from the standpoint of it feels like they're so close with that defense. You know, free agents, John Johnson. If Taylor Rapp plays better, you know, can they survive the Johnson loss? Probably. You know, they can obviously go draft one, as Ryan mentioned. Troy Hill, I think, is a big one. Um, you know, Ramsey gets the praise, and obviously he should. He's the best corner in the league. But Troy Hill had a great year opposite Ramsey. And the guy that really is important is Leonard Floyd. 13, 12 and a half sacks this year. We finally saw the promise that Chicago saw when they took him ninth in 2016. And, you know, we, you know, Floyd really brought it for them. So those are three guys that I think are really going to matter. And oddly enough, I could see all three of those guys going to the Chargers. Um, offense is basically set, you know, wide receivers under contract. They, they could lose Gerald Everett, but who cares? Um, you know what, though? You, you know who, like, like to me, just watching the Rams, you know who they missed a lot? Mm. Brandon Cooks. Yeah, they missed, to blow they the roof missed off. that guy. You're right. They, they, they didn't have that guy this year. Well, that this the, Brandon Cooks from the Texans, yeah, not the one that was on <laughs> but, their team. But I mean, well, yeah, it's just it's just how you deploy him. But like he, he even even if if he's not getting as many catches when he was with the Rams, he's still a factor that you have to account for. Now, you know they've got a lot of guys who are good underneath, but you know they 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 seem they just didn't have that that wow wow factor on the offense until until acres really got going could you get kenny stills at a cheap number to have him run straight really far down the field x times a game to open it up i mean i think that's a position particularly if it's more of a decoy thing i think that's a position you can sort of fill i mean that's why i hated when the raiders took rugs unless you're absolutely sure he's going to be tyree kill so i think to me to me i think the thing that needs watching is what's the golf mcveigh dynamic going to be you know i think if they bring in raheem morris the staley thing's almost a wash but the you know the golf mcveigh thing is a really really big deal if mcveigh loses faith do they bring in Fitz or Brissett or cam newton to back up golf to give them a little bit of an option i don't know i don't know but again i don't find them all that interesting but there's some questions here for sure but you you kind of hit the nail on the head is that their offense is basically set yeah. with the emergence of acres. And, you know, you mentioned the, sw- the swing piece of Whitworth. What's funny is acres actually broke out without Whitworth. So in the running game, he wasn't as important in the passing game, completely different thing like that, dude, you're just not beating him out on the edge. It's just not happening. He is, he is otherworldly at that, but again, it's golf. Like that's the thing. So yeah, if you have you have someone going, you know, opening up the offense by running straight down the field, the difference was like Goff sometimes hit those before he got his big contract this year and last year he he did just didn't. So you can have someone running wide open down the field as we've seen in Buffalo before Josh Allen actually you know turned his his entire career around. If you can't hit them, it's not scaring any defense anyways. So to, you know, Goff is the big one to me. What, where do they go be there? And the 16th best quarterback in the league. Well, and if, if he, it, 
he, he that's what I'm be. saying. If he can be the because this year he wasn't. But he you're, was but you're still not. But 10. you're not winning a Super Bowl with him as your 16th best. It's the 16th best quarterback. You're just not. Even with this running game, even with this offense, you're just not. Not with you not with the way that close. could they Kyle Bowler this thing though like if that defense is that good like if they nail this draft and like screw it it's all in on defense I just need golf to be average because Kyle Bowler was worse than Trent Dilfer less than average I mean Brad Johnson I mean no, but there they are didn't, they don't, cases they didn't they turn Peyton the ball Manning over. in 2015 yes but they the, 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 all three players that you mentioned never turned the ball over at they least with Peyton Manning. Yeah, they got. They yeah, Kyle Bowler defense, got to one. Their defense is better now. So did Goff. That's the point. Yeah, but I think Goff was better then than he is now. True. And they also had like otherworldly Todd Gurley until those last two weeks. So again, let's let's not spend too much time on the Rams because there's more interesting teams that we want to talk about. But I, all that I'm going to say is, if the goal is to win the Super Bowl, that's the biggest issue. Although they will remain competitive with that defense, with that. And with their wide receiver core and with that running back, even if even if he golf is below average. So the next also, team, last thing, don't look now. Aaron Donald's 30. Just for the record. The next team flipping to the AFC is the Pittsburgh Steelers. This team, Ryan's favorite. He's this so. team has a lot <laughs> of problems. Connor, why don't you jump in first? I kind of like what they're sort of doing already. Like I'm not necessarily a Haskins guy, but I don't hate the idea of bringing in a guy that was a first round pick and being like, Hey, we got Ben for another year. Why don't you sit behind him? And we'll see if we can get you up to snuff. If it doesn't work out for him, it doesn't work out for him. I mean, they need to fix running back and that they'll be able to do that at the draft. No problem. Like of, of the teams that are listed here with how awesome Tomlin is and with how the Steelers have shown that they can kind of, you know, float along for a little bit and hit on a couple of guys and, you know, kind of be back in the fold of things every two years-ish. You know, I, I'm probably the least worried about these guys. They also need to get healthy on defense. But Yeah, I, I would not say I'm the least worried about the Steelers. So you and I differ there. I, I, Bud Dupree being a free agent, their free agent list is extensive. Dupree coming off a major injury. What do you Juju. do there? Juju, James Conner, Alejandro Villanueva on the offensive line. Like, it, it's not insignificant pieces but the biggest piece is actually the one that they already have in Ben and yeah like he threw for 500 yards and four touchdowns also threw four interceptions in that game against the Browns so I just I'm never going to get too high or too no sorry I'm never going to get too low on a team coach by Mike Tomlin I'm really not but again like he's had Ben his entire career when he's actually been successful and like good Ben so I am worried about them. And where to next? I hate the Haskins signing. I, Me too. I, I, I don't get it. Like, he's shown nothing. This isn't like Jameis Winston where his problems were in where his problems were in college and then he comes to the pros and at least, like, puts up numbers. This guy is a problem now and is not putting up numbers. And, you like, I know that Tomlin is, like, the master of hiding everything that is problems. Like, he made Antonio Brown look like the most wholesome quarter, most yeah, wholesome in the wide in the NFL. Le'Veon Bell made him look like the least troubled person of all time, and then all of a sudden they're just not when they leave. I, I to me, I'm I'm never going to be too low on a Tomlin team, but they got the where to next is he got a lot to fix. Ryan, do you agree? So, wait, wait. Can I just jump in on yeah, Haskins really quick, and then Ryan can go. I completely agree with you on the Haskins thing. 
And I understand the first round pedigree. I'm with you, Murph. And since it's a futures deal, I'm sure they can get out of it and it not be a problem. I'm sure they can cut them in training camp and it doesn't matter. I'm not sure it totally eliminates them from drafting a quarterback. Um, and the reason I say that is I think, I think they're picking in the twenties. Um, now I want to preface this by saying, I think he's a day two guy, but Mac Jones could be really interesting here. And it's clear that Mason doesn't have it, right? Right. Rudolph is nowhere near an NFL quarterback. He was never an NFL quarterback. When he was drafted, he never had the chance of being an NFL quarterback. Ask Um, Miles Garrett's face about that though. Well, no, you got to ask his face. It was his face that got dented by, by Garrett. Oh, that's right. So the only thing backwards. So the only thing I would say is with the Haskins thing, and then I'll let Ryan go, but I hope it doesn't, stop them from potentially drafting a quarterback because I think this is an organization that look, you look at Ben. I looked at Ben the same way I looked at Brees. The only difference is Ben could throw it farther. And, you know, I, I, I don't like that situation. I don't know how Haskins fix that. Now, can he wait a year? Absolutely. Uh, but I don't want, because I have Dwayne Haskins to get in the way of the fact that I could draft a quarterback. You know what, Ryan, I'm just going to keep rolling here. Um, to me, this team's good because this team could be in a decent spot if it can figure out that quarterback position because it is basically plug and play. You know, Villanueva, obviously, that's going to be one to watch. Um, and other, outside of running back, which you need to burn that whole group to the ground, um, you can fix, as Connor mentioned. Okay, tight end, it's Vance and Ebron. Burn that to the ground, rebuild it. That's not going to be all that tricky. Wide receiver group is loaded. You can let Juju walk and not miss a beat. Uh, James Washington can easily play on the outside. Hold on. No problem. I cannot disagree with you more. I think this is the first time in over two decades that the Pittsburgh Steelers are not going to have a true number one wide receiver. I, 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 I think I that think that, Clay, that group needs a lot of help. I think like Deontay I is really, Deontay's really I, good, but he can't catch a football. I'm not asking him to be the number one. Claypool's going to be my number one. Oh, no. And, oh, no. And look, listen, they can go out and bring in a veteran veteran wide receiver X, right? I, I just don't see the need to sign Juju here. I think you could argue Deontay and Claypool already better than Juju, right? I, obviously not the same, not at the level in terms of blocking as Mr. Kovalev so eloquently said before, but these are guys that need to be playing ahead of Juju and getting the targets. And But that defense, Bud Dupree will see. That's plug and play, man. Defensive line is set. You know, to, to it and Hayward. Not going to do better than that. Watt and Bush at linebacker. If they bring back Dupree, Gravy. You don't. You can't beat that group. And then safety, Minka's not going anywhere. Terrell Edmonds still on a rookie contract. I mean, this is pretty plug and play. It's solvable, but they do have a big problem. Because I think I looked at Ben the same way I looked at Breeze, and I was like, it's a wrap for him. Ryan, you look like you're, you're very ready to disagree with me, and I can't wait for it. So, I mean – you know, as a as a Bengal fan, I'm going to do my best to care about the Steelers right now. Um, the I think you're taking the Dwayne Haskins things and blowing it out of proportion. I, I agree with Connor. I think it's a good move because there's no risk in it, right? You're just bringing in an extra body. They can cut them tomorrow if they want. Yeah, because so, it's features. Yeah, yeah. So it's I I don't think. You know, they sign him thinking, oh, he's going to be our future starter. They're signing him thinking he's going to be an option or a future starter. 
and it's I don't think it stops them from drafting a quarterback. So that's my main thing. As long as it doesn't stop them, it's totally fine. No, exactly. But what it does do is it does in a very small way, it gives them the option not to take a quarterback. Right? They can they can now justify I'm not taking a quarterback and I'm gonna fix something else. We're going to go with Ben and let Haskins and see how he develops for one year. And if it doesn't work, then we'll flip it next year. And now we've still got our first round pick, right? From and, and that we've that we've used on a running back, or whatever whatever you want to fill in there in the, in this year's first round. So Probably now they've they, they've kind of given themselves a bridge to not have to take a quarterback. They still may take a quarterback. Couldn't you get Mac at day two though? No, Max. You don't think he can? I think, I think Trask is the day two guy. Yeah, Ugh. I think so too. No. Yeah, so I, I, I think Mac Jones is going to go kind of right in that Pittsburgh range. So maybe it, if he's there, I mean, in Pittsburgh, I don't think really has a huge history of moving up in the draft. But if he's there, then I, I think they probably take him. But I mean, to me, the biggest thing with Pittsburgh is, you know, yeah, the defense is plug and play. And I mean, they're a good defense. This offense is super scary moving forward to me. And I, I agree with Sean in the fact that I, I don't – I'm nervous. Like, if I was a Pittsburgh fan, I'd be as, as nervous today as I've been entering any offseason in the last 20 years, maybe longer. So are you nervous because – because the running backs, even – like, let's – even if Connor is re-signed, which he shouldn't be, he was awful, Right. Even if Ebron's re-signed, when you literally can't get a more one-dimensional tight end than that, is Juju this much of a difference maker that you're having no. this much of a panic attack? No. Or is it just I, all it's of, not hang Juju. on, hang on. Is it all of it put together? It's all of it put together. It, okay. I love a good blocking wide receiver. I, you know, you guys know that. Anquan Bolin, I know, man. But it's to me the big problem is as of right now, you don't know if Marquise Pouncey's coming back. I think they said last mm-hmm. I heard he's 50-50 whether or not he's going to retire. If they lose Stinks. Pouncey and Villanueva in the same offseason, that is a big problem for a team that couldn't run the ball last year with them. So now you're replacing two key offensive linemen with no running game, a bunch of young, unproven wide receivers, and a quarterback whose head barely fits into his helmet anymore. So, And, we, and listen, we, we shouldn't doubt the Steelers on finding wide receivers. They've literally done it since the beginning of the every franchise. Year. But again, I, I just... They have questions at running back. They have questions at quarterback. They have questions at wide receiver. To me, they have questions on their offensive O-line. line. And this was the problem with this team. And I really believe, and we, we got to move on, but I really believe that when Bud went out, they lost their, their oomph on defense. Like, yes, TJ Watt is their best defensive player. Yes. Okay. But I can but, double him now. Yeah. And, exactly. And at least Dupree, like I, I said this earlier in the year, he's everywhere. Like, is he, it's, he's kind of like Devin Whitish. Like, is it always good stuff he's doing? Maybe not, but he's always on the screen doing, he's always on my screen. And it, yeah. it just, he, they lost a lot of their versatility on defense. And so, you know what? Speaking of losing a lot, let's get to the Indianapolis Colts. By the way, Colts. $28 million over the cap. The Steelers. Currently. Yeah, not ideal. The Indianapolis Colts, notable free agents right now. Jacoby Brissett, Philip Rivers is already retired. T.Y. Hilton, Justin Houston, Malik Hooker, Xavier Rhodes, and I guess Marlon Mack because he had one good year, but they already have their replacement well in range. Ian, let's go to you here first. 
What do you think? Where to next? So let's start. So let me just say this. I think that for the two, for the two previous teams that we've touched, I think that the Rams can get to 10 or 11 wins. I think that Pittsburgh's best case is probably 10. And I think with this Colts team, if they do it right, there's a chance that they're at 11 again. And let's start with let so the things that they need. The big decisions are wide receiver, left tackle, and obviously quarterback. So let's start with the easy one. The easy one is wide receiver. TY's gone. You know, they got a little something in Michael Pittman. I don't think we have any idea what the hell they have with Paris Campbell, who's the guy they took in the second round in 2019. He's played two career games. Um, but watching T.Y. Zombie his way through the first half of this season, I, I think it was a wrap at that point. I, I, don't, I also don't think that Noodle Rivers helped him. But T.Y. Zombie his way through, I think he's as good as gone. They have a boatload of cap space. I think they're at almost $70 million in space. Uh, the, the guy I'm calling first is Allen Robinson. The second guy I'm calling is Will Fuller if I can't get him. But Allen Robinson is number one on my list. Outside of quarterback, obviously. And I, I think with that boatload of cap space, they can meet Robinson's asking price, which is probably going to have him be, get paid as a top seven receiver, which he is, seven or eight receiver. And look, Robinson's proven that he can produce with, let's say, suboptimal quarterback play between Bortles, Trubisky, and Foles. It's a no-brainer because even if you don't fill the quarterback position, Robinson is still going to produce for you. And I think that's good. And I think him, Pittman, and then whatever you get from Campbell – Pascal's in there and all those guys, you know, I think that's, that turns into a weakness to a strength really fast. Left tackle is a little trickier, but as Ryan mentioned in the group chat a couple weeks ago, it is doable. You know, they do have that boatload of cap space. They could look at Trent Williams because Anthony Costanzo retired. They could look at Trent Williams because um, that one's going to be tricky because Williams hasn't really cashed in yet. Um, he could ask big money, but it's possible. And getting a left tackle worth a damn means that Quentin Nelson can stay at guard. And that particularly for that running game needs to remain the case. I think Nelson may be the best guard in the league. Um, him and, you know, our, our boy, Batonio from Cleveland. So that one, again, a big hole, but a, a hole that they can fill. The next one is the big one, obviously, and that's quarterback. And I could see, as Sean mentioned, I could see the team bringing back Brissett as a one B option in a way that like, Hey, if we don't hit our target, at least we're familiar with you. Um, but outside, you know, outside of Brissett, when we're looking at free agents, we're looking at like Trubisky, you know, are we, are we reuniting Trubisky and Robinson? Can we give that guy a break, please? You know, Jameis Winston, I would bet my house he's staying with, with the saints. Um, so then we're looking at trades, right? I don't think they're in Deshaun Watson range. They don't have the extra pick capital. Sam Darnold would be intriguing, but he he's going to be expensive. The Jets are going to ask a fair amount for him. Carson Wentz, it sounds like the Eagles decided that they were going to keep Wentz over Peterson. That's sort of how that felt. They even brought in a Colts guy to work with Wentz. The most interesting one, I think, is Stafford. And I think Ryan brought it up a couple weeks ago and I haven't been able to shake it. You know, the asking price could be right in line. And I think Stafford in this offense, particularly if you bring in Robinson, could be really scary. So this is a team, I look at Pittsburgh as a team that could be, could struggle if they don't nail their offseason. 
ditto with the Rams. I think the Colts can be a team that can, they, they can use this as an opportunity to flourish and become an AFC powerhouse. Well, Ryan, he brought you up. Why don't you follow? Oh, I agree. I, I think this team is an absolute, uh, in, in a really good spot. I mean, obviously nobody's in the perfect spot when you currently do not have a quarterback on your roster. Right. Other than no, Jacob they have, sorry. Jacob, they have Jacob Eason, right. <laughs> but I agree. I mean, this team, they've got cap space. They've got a really, really good young defense. And I love the idea of Stafford. I don't know what it would take, but I think Stafford is the absolute perfect fit on this team. And, you know, Allen Rob. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with anybody adding Allen Robinson, but if you want to scale it down a, a tiny, tiny bit and go and get Stafford's buddy, Kenny Galladay, and you Ooh. put them both in Indy, and then you save a little bit of money and you go put it somewhere else. And then, you know, the off the left tackle, you go, you know, this year's draft's going to be filled with tackles. I mean, I don't, obviously, if you're going to go get Stafford, you're probably not going to be able to take one in the first round. But, you know, you can get a tackle late. I mean, and, and they're good enough on the interior of the offensive line where I think they can make up for the left tackle. So, and like I said, I mean, I think I said in a text a while back, I mean, nowadays, left tackle, right tackle, you can slide your tackles around. I mean, in their division, when you're playing, you know, guys like J.J. Watt who are coming off that's the the left side or the, the left side of their defense, then your right tackle becomes as important as True. your left tackle. So your right tackle, if you're playing J.J. Watt twice a year, you need as good a right tackle as you have as, as a left tackle. So, <laughs> you know, you just need tackles. So I, I think that can be fixed. I think this team's in the perfect spot. And, and, and they seem to have a smart GM. Who, you know, we'll see what he does with it. Chris Ballard, I think, has done yeah, he's good. good things. So before the next guy goes, I just have a question. What, let, we need to at least quickly acknowledge what it would take to get Stafford. Uh, to me, you're pro- I think they're picking in the 20s. That probably is the starting point, right? Well, it's not much more after that. Yeah, it wouldn't be much more after that. No, he's, uh, 30, he's 33 years old. He's played like... But that pick is gone, though. Yeah, right. Remember, yeah. Josh Rosen went for a third, right? Like, we got to put this thing in perspective. Josh Rosen, I know it was a year after he went 10th, whatever he went, he went for a third, right? So when we're plucking these quarterbacks out, we got to think, what's it going to take? You have to think for the Lions to give up maybe on the best on the best player they've ever had outside of Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, that it's going to take a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they gave yeah. up their first last I year agree. for DeForest Buckner. That dude is a damn baller, worked out. First for Stafford, I, I would do, but is it going to take more than that? Not much more. Not much more. 33, little, yeah. his, his injury agree. history. I know with 19 million is not crazy for Stafford right now, which is what his imagine, captain is. Imagine but, him behind a good line, though. Oh, my God. We've never seen it. With no wide receivers. I, I don't know. I, Connor, why don't you jump in? I mean – you guys kind of touched on their cap before, right? Like they have the cap to make a move like this, still potentially draft one of the better day two wide receivers and maybe even still go get someone. I, I just don't think they're in a terrible spot. You guys hit on everything else. I don't necessarily want to double down on everything, but I, I really like the spot that they're in to become a powerhouse, like you guys said. Yeah. I think they need a vet receiver, though. They do yep. need a vet receiver. Let's move here. My, my only thing that I'm going to leave I, so, soaking in the atmosphere is they could offer Dak Prescott a massive deal, like massive. And, Don't get me excited like that. And he would be fantastic on this team. So oh my God, that's all that I'm going to say. They could offer this guy like five years, 40 million, which is what 
you know, Dallas has not been able to do. Still with a young defense, still with a great offensive line, still with a great running back. Give me Dak. Michael Pittman stock be going up if they get Dak Prescott. Let's just say that. We talked about the Colts cap situation. The Saints cap situation, not as advantageous. They're currently $105 million over the current cap. Now, Breeze comes off. That's almost $37 million. Taysom Hill making $16 million seems absolutely ridiculous. More now than it did before. But, Connor, is it Jameis time? Where to next for the New Orleans Saints? Yeah, I'd, I'd almost bet he even takes a weird, like, almost discount deal to stay there because his dream job is that Saints QB job. He grew up a Saints fan. They brought him in. They, you know, he. There's something to be said about knowing a playbook and coming back and really knowing what you're doing and not having to relearn everything. Um, last I checked, the cap situation still isn't great, even with Breeze leaving. You know, I, I think they need to nail their draft pick here. I, I really think they need to make sure that they can get one more linebacker, probably. But outside of bringing Jameis back, I, I just I feel like for them, you almost have to hope that this long play with Jameis works, right? And that obviously he does come back, which I would, with just like Ian said, right? I bet my house he does. But would it still be Taysom Hill's job, Ryan? Uh, I, 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 I would go with Jameis Winston. I, I don't know how you you watch Taysom Hill, you watch Jameis Winston, and you don't give Jameis the first crack at it. I think those are the two guys they got to go with next year. I don't know where else they're going to get somebody else from. Um, but you know, I mean, the New Orleans Saints are at the crossroads right now, and they're this offseason is either going to dictate whether or not they can quickly retool themselves or they go completely in the tank. So, you know, I don't know. They're, they're, they're going to be handing out pink slips left and right in about a month. And it's going to be the older guys, Malcolm Jenkins, Janoris Jenkins, Octavius Murray, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, all these guys are going to get handed their pink slips. They're going to be yeah. gone. Now they got to rebuild their depth. So, and, and again, I, I think there are ways for them to lower their cap um, for next year there as they yep. sign. There, there's a few guys I think that are up for contracts. I can't think of anybody right now, but they can probably sign. Marcus backload it. Lattimore, yeah. Lattimore. Well, they're only no, two. Mar- they're only at 200 million of act on the active roster with cap space. So yeah. a lot of this is going to come off. The, the guy, the guys, the guys that they're and I'll let you keep going, Ryan. The guys that they need to look at. Uh, Marcus Williams is one. At 24, he's one of the best safeties in the league. Uh, Trey Hendrickson, the the kid, the 26-year-old kid who had 13 half sacks, exploded on the scene playing with Cam Jordan, certainly helped with that. And then Jared Cook. So those, you know, in each level of the each level of the game plan, those are guys that are obviously and Jameis, obviously. Cook is a free agent, though. So not even yeah. don't even have to get crazy with that. And, and I'll throw out a question here. I'll throw out a, a quick question here. So they it, back in September with a massive cap, they signed two guys to contracts. And can they or would they move Michael Thomas? I would say yes, but what are they left with? Because a group of Traquan Smith and 
question mark. I'm just not sure that works. Now, let me take a quick peek on what trading him would leave behind. Cause that's the big thing, right? Like if you trade Mike Thomas, you know, what, what is left, you know, do, like, do you have to take on a cap hit? Uh, let's see. Cause I, cause I, cause I think that, I think the two guys, the dead, sorry, they, but guys, the dead cap would be 23 million if they just cut yeah, Thomas. Well, they're not um, cutting him. No, but like to, to your point, you wouldn't take dead cap if you traded him. With what's left here, guys, like you're, you're not trading Thomas, especially if you got Winston coming in. He needs a safety blanket. Like him and so Trequan Smith would be wild. If it's so if you, the group, a great Mike Thomas destination would be Baltimore, obviously. So let's say for fun, you traded Mike Thomas to Baltimore. That which, felt like a dig at Lamar, by the way. <laughs> It's like what? this guy can only throw slants. This guy can only oh, run. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't need that. It's a dig. It's a dig at both of them. They need <laughs> yeah, no, they need both. a true he, number one. He needs that they need a true underneath. They need a true number one. And for all my beefs with Thomas this weekend, he is a true number one. If they traded Thomas, they would only save 1.2 million. Not happening. Not happening. So I I I'd agree. I think that, you know, they got to look at everything. They really got to look at everything. But I think the team can be as good provided they're able to keep Demario, Cam, Jordan, and Lattimore together. If they can do that, they can piece together the rest. The, this, this organization has shown that they can draft, particularly on defense. So, you know, the, the, I, I think the big thing for them would be, can, can Marcus Davenport pull his weight? They traded, a, I think, a second first to go and get him two, three years ago. And while he's been fine, I think he had two sacks this year. That's just unacceptable. So can he make, can guys like that make the jump? I think that'll be interesting to watch for them. So where to next for the Saints is, we don't know, just like most of these teams. We had five teams. We are going to skip the Seattle Seahawks because, you know what, Seattle? You skipped on the entire year by giving up after week four. So we're skipping on you. And let's get to the picks. Hey, one thing on one thing on the Seahawks. Really you couldn't quick. do it, eh? You're like, no, let's no, skip no. it. On, but like, we on. have to still talk about it. <laughs> there, first of all, two things. One, why are we so convinced that John Schneider is this amazing GM? That's number one, right? He built the Legion of Boom. They won a Super Bowl. Fantastic. Okay. He's lauded as this big guy. He just signed a billion-year contract. Number two, there's a real chance here that the Seahawks Russell do to Russell Wilson what Green Bay did to Aaron Rodgers. Now, Seattle hasn't been cheap like Green Bay was, but Russ only having Russ only having one Super Bowl ring feels like a war crime. It feels like less of a war crime than Aaron Rodgers only having been to one Super Bowl. Fair. Right? I guess I, they were inches from two. Yeah, I mean it, and they've given a lot of weapons to Russ. I mean, they, no, they've no, got no, I, they're, they're missing no, a few no. things, but I'm not saying that they've treated Russ poorly. I'm saying, I think it's outrageous that they only have one Super Bowl with that quarterback, that quarterback. Well, I can agree. We were skipping Seattle. No, we, we barely touched on it. But let's Ian, move. But Ian has closure issues. So let's, let's keep going. We get to the picks and for everyone listening at home, and we don't put this on YouTube. We have lost Connor, so we might be doing picks without Mr. Murph. Oh, he has come back. He's come back from the dead. Let's see. Let's see if he's here. But as we bring Connor back in, let's get to the first game. Connor, are you there? Connor? Hey, oh. 
All right, we got Connor. So the first game is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers visiting the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are favored by three and a half. The over-under is 51. Connor, in honor of your return, give us your pick first. Oh, a little wrinkle. We did ask that you brought for the matchup or for each team a player. I was forgetting. A player of intrigue or a matchup of intrigue. So please. What is your player or matchup to watch this weekend in the Bucks Packers game? And what is your pick? Well, for me, it's, you know, what they're going to do to try to shut down these Tampa receivers, right? Like, you, it's not one of those easy matchups where you can just put your best corner on their best guy and then kind of piece the rest together as the game goes on. You, you can't really hone in on one dude because it's going to leave so many other guys open. Um, I got, man, I've been, I've been debating this all day. I have a really weird slash bad feeling that Brady's going to pull this off. Yes, me too. I'd I'd like really, I don't, it's probably just the time of year. Honestly, I'm so used to it happening this time of year. We see this, you know, we saw it two years ago with the chiefs like that really a lot. I really thought that the chiefs were going to win that game. They didn't. I have a really weird feeling that this game's going to be close and Brady's going to find a way well, to win. They did win the game. D Ford was just like a hair offside and then they lost, but agreed. Yes. Technically they, so, they like, lost. The something game. weird could happen. Something weird could happen. I don't know. I, I, it doesn't feel right. I don't like it. I don't so, like it. So you're grabbing the points, Connor. I'm, yeah, I'm grabbing the points. I'm taking the box. It's, it's late in January and Tom Brady's conditioned me to do this crap. So I'm taking him. Well, Ian, you seem to agree with Connor, but you do have a roundabout way of agreeing and then making your pick as you listen to yourself talk. Is that what's going to happen here? A little bit. I I think my main problem is watching that Tampa Bay defense last week was frightening. And I am someone who desperately wants Aaron Rodgers to win a second title um, or at least get there. I mean, I'm watching him and I'm in awe by him. He is the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. You know, Mahomes will get there, um, but Aaron Rodgers is just unbelievable. There's stuff that he does that I've just never seen anyone do, and the fact that he only has one really sucks. So I am, you know, I'm not being objective here. I, I want Green Bay to win. Uh, but before I give you my pick, there, I have a guy on each side that I think is really interesting, and I'm going to give my deep dive guy first, and that's Rashawn Gary. And don't look now, but he may be turning into a star. And if you know anything about Rashawn Gary, he did go to Michigan. He was an extremely high recruit out of high school. And they never really figured it out at Michigan. And then Green Bay sort of took him in 12th overall. And everyone was like staggered that they did that. And he sort of bumbled his way through rotating on the line. But the last half of the year, he really came into his own. And then last week, he was fantastic. I think, mean, you know, two sacks, four hurries. He was all over the place. Him and Kenny Clark both were. And I think he's getting more opportunities. He's seeing his snap count increase. And he's a really big X factor for them. And it's the same reason, same thing we talked about with Bud Dupree. You know, the same thing that we talk about, you know, for years when it came to Whitney Merciless and J.J. Watt. And it was getting somebody opposite of Zadarius Smith and someone that they can rely on. Because what, what's happened is that, and I think more this year than last, is that teams have focused on Zadarius been like, okay, I can stop you, I stop the pass rush. But if Rashawn starts making strides, all of a sudden you got it coming from both sides. And I think 
that is a massive game changer for this defense. And look, like Brady has been unbelievable the last half of the season and it, it and continues. I mean, he wasn't great last week, but all in all, I mean, he's been fantastic, particularly for 43. But in in the cold versus the blitz, if Brady can't get that ball out, right? Because again, this isn't the Patriots where it's like, oh, Edelman runs five yards or Amendola runs five yards, right? Like he does need time, and this offensive line has done a, a good job of getting it to him. He does need time to get those get those players like Evans and Godwin the ball and AB and all those guys. So Gary can be a really big swing piece this week, and that one is going to be really interesting, interesting for me to watch. The other guy I, I want to highlight, obviously, on Tampa is Carlton Davis. And we've talked about him. We fought about it. Ryan and I fought about him all week. Um, Basically, I thought it was fucking unacceptable that Mike Thomas, the fifth highest paid receiver in the league, whatever the hell he is, put up a zero, 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 zero. That is, and that's a Sam Mitchell reference. That is unacceptable. I think Carlton Davis is a really good cornerback. Maybe he's bordering on a top 10 guy. But Mike Thomas was the de facto best receiver in the league like 12 months ago. 16 months ago, 18 months ago, to get shut down like that, something's happening. So if Davis, now to me, Devontae Adams is on a different planet than any other receiver in the league, particularly at this moment. If Davis can do what he did to Thomas, that means that this Green Bay offense is all of a sudden relying on the deep shot, no hands, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and a lot of Alan Lazard. And that's not ideal. So if Davis can do what he did to Thomas to Adams, that is a that is a huge, huge player to watch this weekend. My God, I wish this team traded for Will Fuller. So your pick? <laughs> I have a feel so I called Ryan today and we're chatting about the pod and you know things we want to touch on. And I said to him, I feel really nervous about this. And I don't like it. I I, I think I think Tampa's the move. But for the last couple of weeks on this show, I have been picking with my heart, not with my brain. So I'm going to ride with Green Bay because something feels destiny-ish about what's happening with Rodgers and LaFleur and Adams and all those guys right now. So Green Bay it is. I thought you were going to say Ryan's pick. They're going to be like, yeah, I was talking to Ryan today. And he (laughs) said, I'm taking the Packers. And just like, just... Colin Ian, where just like when we're talking about who might be the best player in the NFL or wide receivers, it's like, well, we can't not mention every wide receiver in the NFL. So then when our turn comes uh-huh. up, we actually can't say someone new and exciting. So, Ryan, what is your pick? Are you going to, are you breaking the, you have to break the tie here. Are you going to side with Connor? Or are you going to side with Ian? I'm going Green Bay. Okay. And to me, I mean, again, I, I can obviously, I can, all four of these teams are good. Uh, the, I think Green Bay is the most balanced offense in the NA, in the NFL. Hot take: All four of these teams are good. <laughs> yeah, but just the Green Bay's ability to beat you in any way they want, right? And now you've got Rodgers playing MVP level. You know he's perfectly fine. We saw it a lot last week. He's perfectly fine handing it off to three different running backs who can all beat you in different yeah, ways. All of whom are good. Yeah, and they've you know they they got a good tight end. They've you know, I mean, obviously, we 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 do, you know, give 
a lot of issues to guys like Lazard and MVS. But you know what? Rodgers finds a way to make them relevant in the game. Even even if you know MVS goes down the field and drops the ball, then he, like a, a quarter later he goes down there for a fifty yard reception and it's a meaningful reception. So right. Rodgers finds a way to make them matter in the game. And obviously Adams, you know, I mean he's. I mean, Carlton Davis may be able to shut him down for a little while, but Adams is just way too quick off the line. The matchup that I picked, and I'm going to piggyback off of what Ian was talking about earlier with Rashawn Gary, and I'm going to say the the entire group of pass rushers on Green Bay against Tampa. And the reason why I say that is Green Bay has spent a ton of money. <laughs> they do not spend a ton of money on much, but no. they spent a ton of money on pass rushers. So this is it, right? This is this is does that come through for them? I mean, they they got the, the Smiths, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, and the other thing that was mentioned, you know, that hasn't been mentioned yet is these two teams played early in the year. Tampa destroyed Green Bay, but what was missing in that game was Kenny Clark was just coming off injury, and Rashawn Gary hadn't emerged yet so now you've got four pass rushers and i did a little bit of homework for you guys here today so let's go let it fly so tom brady with a clean pocket is a 71.7 percent completion percentage 36 touchdowns seven interceptions brady when pressured 43.8 percent completion percentage four touchdowns five interceptions that's the game So when you, if Green Bay can put pressure on Tom Brady, then game over. So to me, that's, it's the, it's those, it's the money that Green Bay spent on those pass rushers. To me, that's, this is, this is where you find out if your money was worth it. So by the way, that was a clinic by, by coach Colville right there. Clinic. (laughs) Oh, numbers guy. Yeah. Drops, Uh. drops a hot take that the four teams here are good. And says a couple of numbers and just well, clinic. I, Sean, Sean, I had to start it off on a bottom level, and that's how I can build up. I got to build the anticipation. That's it. That's, that's what you do. So my matchup, intriguing players, the whole thing, Connor, actually the same as you. It was how can, can this secondary keep it close enough with those receivers? And, you know, you obviously have – uh, Alexander on Evans, King on Godwin. But then what do you do with AB? What do you do with Scotty Miller? What do you do with Gronk? What do you do with... with it, 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 They just come in waves. Now, AB being questionable with a knee injury, really interesting. That's really interesting. Because that is... That's the difference maker for this Bucks team is just their depth at wide receiver. They don't kill... They're not death by a thousand cuts. They're like four plays a game that break you. And... They do that because they have so many wide receiving options. But I'm going to pivot. I really like the pass rushing angle of this. But I'm going to go on the other side. And I'm going to say Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. So A.J. Dillon is obviously questionable. That injury did not look good. I have to assume he's not going to play. But if they're getting four yards a carry, you're not beating Aaron Rodgers. Right. He is literally the best player in football right now. Agreed. Full stop. Right? Doesn't matter what side of the ball. Doesn't matter that Patrick Mahomes is still playing football. Yeah, he's not MVP caliber. He no, no, no. He is MVP. the best. He is the best player in football right now. 
And he's a man on a mission. He's playing at home. We talk about, you know, first, like only one Super Bowl appearance. He's never had an NFC championship game at home before, let alone one Super Bowl. So that's mine is like, can they move the sticks enough to open it up for him? Because anytime he drops back, he looks like he's going to make something happen. And the fact that we did not mention St. Brown and all this, who has the greatest name in the NFL, I can't even read Aquamius? it. Equanimous? Equanimous? Equanimous, Tristan, Imhotep, J. St. Brown. Legend. What a name. And he's like, early in the season, Rodgers was forcing it to him. He kept dropping the ball, kept dropping the ball. Now coming around. That's what Rodgers does, to your point. He makes bad players look good. Hey, Sean? Yeah. Just just uh, on your St. Brown guy there, you, you realize he's got a brother coming up. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a – there's going to be another St. Brown. From Amon where? Ross, Amon Ross St. Brown. Wow. Don't tell me he went to Ohio State. Oh, okay. No, USC, he's, he, I don't know. I don't know where he's going to go. Top. If he's top a USC rounds. receiver, you can't trust it. Two, top couple rounds. We're, we're going to have two St. Browns. Listen, I'm not as big on – I know Tampa's defense is great on paper. I know it's great in the analytics department. I'm not as like uh, just to the eye test. I'm not as big on it. It's it's like it's good. It's really good, but they're very they're inconsistent. They're, they're kind of like their offense. They're like three four plays a game where you're like, oh shit, Devin White just picked off that pass. They're so young, man. Levante, they're so young. I, I know that, but this Packers team just dismantled the LA Rams defense. Okay, and this is a cold game. It's there's snow scheduled mm-hmm. for Sunday. Tampa Bay is going up there. I know Tom's used to playing in this, but the rest of that team, you know, with a couple of trends, Tampa's one in 15 in their last 16 games in Green Bay, obviously never with Brady. The over is eight for eight in the last eight games for Green Bay in the month of January. Listen, I do not bet against Tom in the playoffs, but this is Aaron Rodgers at home. The best, the baddest man in the world right now. I am taking the Packers. I wish it was three. If I'm, a, if I'm gambling, which I obviously will be, I am not taking it at three and a half. On the show, though, I am taking three and a half, and I am also taking the over. The last game of... Wait, one thing about Tampa. Last thing. Vita Vey is back. That is a big deal to that defense. If Vita Vey is back, all of a sudden, they have scary people at every level. Between Sue, JPP, Via those two linebackers, and then all those young corners and safeties that are just trying to hurt people, like all of a sudden that gets really interesting. And I think we need to know, like, is playoff Lenny a thing? Playoff Lenny. Well, we have two incredible football games this weekend. I am so excited. This is one of those times where, you know, I don't wish my kids weren't born, but I wish that they were potentially at their grandparents' house, you know, because I want to take in every minute of this. And we have the Bills Chiefs. Yes, like you're going to. We have the Bills Chiefs. The Bills are visiting the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are favored by three. The over-under is 54. Connor, I know you're having Wi-Fi issues. I know you're having microphone issues, but I feel like we haven't heard from you enough. The floor is yours. What are your players or matchups that you are most looking forward to in the Bills Chiefs game? And what is your pick? Got to make it quick because the Wi-Fi sucks and I have a tight window right now. So uh, really excited to see Matthew versus Diggs. Uh, I think the Bills Mm. are going to have to figure out how they're going to deploy the guys underneath him. 
I think this has the potential if they end up hanging in there slash winning to be like a weirdly big Cole Beasley game. Um, I am going to take the bills because their quarterback probably isn't in a dark room right now. And I'm going to take the under. Wow. You, you really did. It was fast and furious. That was it. That was efficient. Um, Boys, I'm going to jump in and I'm jumping in for for a couple of reasons. First off, I actually have three different interesting things for this game, but I also am pretty confident that it's not going to blow the doors off and, and ruin everyone's. So my first one is Devin Singletary for interesting players. And the reason for that is obviously, as we've mentioned many times on the show, is that the Kansas City Chiefs have a terrible run defense. Without Zach Moss, Who can Devin Singletary move the needle? Kind of like the Aaron Jones-Jamal Williams conversation from before, can he move the needle enough to give Josh Allen some, some time and space? And will it even matter? If Singletary's bad, will it matter? Does Josh need that time and space? Which is a question that we need to ask ourselves. On the other side, it's a matchup, and it's Tredavious White and Tyreek Hill. Can he be 2019 Tredavious White, or is he just who he is now, which is just average? And it's and Ian, I got, Ian and Ryan, I really want you to jump in here before I get to my pick because I don't get it. He was like, I know he made a Pro Bowl this year, which is ridiculous to me. This guy was like what, one of the three best corners in the league last year? Three or five, yeah. I don't get it. What am I missing? What, what, what's going on here? Is it because the rest of his teammates have fallen off? I, I don't know. I Micah Hyde was fantastic last week. And yet, and, and I guess the entire defense was, you hold Baltimore to three points. Am I missing anything with him? Guess not. <laughs> no, Ryan. So yeah. I was waiting for Ryan. Um, I can't pinpoint what exactly has gone on because the lull has been the entire defense, right? Because the entire defense outside of like what Jordan Poyer is having, you know, an elite level year. And I think, I I think you've seen a fall off from that entire defense. And that's what made the Leslie Frazier's getting head coaching interviews. So interesting to me because it's like, why am I hiring you? This defense that we've spent tons of draft capital on, tons of money on, uh, isn't isn't getting it done, and you're leading you're leading the way. So I don't understand why that was. I, you know, as much as I want to harp on Trey White, and I'll get to my picks after. As much as I want to harp on Trey White, I think it's a defense wide problem. Okay, all right. So then let me build off there. I use Odds Shark. Shout out to Odds Shark for a lot of my trends when I bring them onto the show, and they always show predicted scores. The predicted score this week on Oddshark, 25.8 to the Chiefs, 25.7 to the Bills. I've never seen anything that close before. It's impossible for it to get closer other than it being tied. The Bills are 9-1 and one in their last 10 against the spread. I've been saying it every week that we talk about the Bills. They cover football games. The Chiefs do not. 0-8-1 against the spread in their last nine. After not covering again last week against the Browns, which we had... Sorry, Ian. I'm not picking yet. I'm not picking yet. Ryan, go ahead. Yeah, so I'm going to kind of jump on your Devin Singletary thing here. So, you know, obviously when you guys had said, you know, kind of think of a matchup that you find important in this, I kind of came up with one that's a little bit odd. So uh, to me, what's an interesting matchup is the running game of Buffalo against the running game of 
Kansas City because neither team likes to run it. If Andy Reid and, you know, not necessarily Sean McDermott, but, you know, Brian, Brian Dable, if they had their way, then they would just abandon the run. And just, it would just be a complete shootout. So, you know, I mean, Buffalo, Buffalo's played games this year where they haven't run it in for the first two, three, four drives. So to me, it's, is Buffalo comfortable playing a shootout against Kansas City? And will one of them try to get some sort of a run game going to control the clock? Or is this, or is this just going to be, you know, a gunslinger showdown between Mahomes, assuming he's close to healthy? We have to Josh assume Allen. he's going to, we have to assume he's going to play. Yeah. Because so if not, me, this is a Bills lock. Yeah. I, I, I agree. So to me, I, I'm picking Kansas City. I think, um, I don't think Buffalo's defense can stop Kansas City. And I, I'm nervous that Buffalo is going to try to get into a shootout. And I don't think they can outscore Kansas City. And what makes me the most nervous in this game is Buffalo in this season has shown zero ability to cover tight ends. And the best tight end possibly in the history of the game is on Kansas City. So I think Travis Kelsey is going to absolutely eat in this game. That's a great point. It's an unbelievable point. And then then you look look outside. I mean, maybe Tredavious White can shut down something, but there's just too many options in the passing game. And to me, this – if assuming again, assuming Mason Holmes is healthy, I think this is a Kansas City game. All right. I have I know I'm breaking the rules, but I have three players to watch. And the first one I'm going to start with is a guy that's already been mentioned, and that's Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley is a massive swing piece, and he's coming off injury, obviously. You know, we we know for a fact that Diggs is going to have his say particularly if he gets matched up on another guy I want to talk about. Um, But if Beasley is healthy-ish and really, really engaged, Buffalo's offense goes from an A-minus to an A-plus. And between Casey's, you know, slow and ineffective linebackers, they're going to struggle in the middle of the field. And again, those safeties are likely going to have to be – like Matthew is going to have to do a lot of stuff to make sure he's sort of shadowing – Allen to run. So this could really be an interesting Beasley game. And this season, there was only one wide receiver in the entire league who was better than Cole Beasley out of the slot. That receiver was Devontae Adams. That's it. That's the whole list. Beasley is so important to this offense. And if he's closer to 100% and available, he makes Josh Allen all that much more dangerous, meaning that this one is in range. So that's something to watch. The other guy to watch is plays for Kansas City and a guy we talked about a matchup and a guy that I tweeted about relentlessly last week when I wanted Cleveland to beat Kansas City. And that was Javarius Ward. Ward may not be, and that's a he's a corner for the he's a corner for the Chiefs for people that don't know. Um, and he didn't get a pick may- six like Ryan hoped last week. He may not be as bad as maybe I lead on, but there are times where he is just egregiously awful. He's a good enough tackler, um, but let's just today, let's call him Malcolm. He's got the Malcolm Butler syndrome right now. So if I'm the Bills and I'm Josh Allen, I am finding 35 anytime I want to throw because that's who I'm picking on. I mean, 
He was so horrific last week. When they threw against Javarius Ward, he gave up 85% catch rate. That means 85% of the time that he was thrown at, the receiver caught the ball. That's absurd. That's absurd. You might as well not have anyone out there. You have a better chance of the wind taking the ball somewhere. You know, that that is a staggering number. If Buffalo wants to win, I think picking on Tavares Ward is going to be really interesting. And I, I Brashad Breland is not a top-level corner, but we're you're going to be avoiding him this game as if he's peak Namdi Asamoa. Pick on Tavares Ward and good things are going to happen. The last guy I think that is, is probably too obvious, but that's Tyreek Hill. Outside of Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs, to me, I'm not sure there was a better receiver in football than Tyreek Hill. I'd open it up to the floor. Was there? I don't think so. The fact that you have Diggs, too, is crazy. He was like, so good I, I've goal. conceded that Diggs well, is way better was, than I ever gave him credit for. He was so But it's just like so Devontae. Like, you don't even have DeAndre Hopkins in there? Like, no, it, Diggs was better than Hopkins. Oh, year. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I think Hill was better than Hopkins. I think Hopkins had a year where he's in the Justin Jefferson range. Are you, have you lost your mind? Jo- Devontae Adams was Devontae Adams was not better than Adams, Diggs, or Hill this year. He well, Devontae was. Adams was. DeAndre Hopkins. De- was, sorry, DeAndre Hopkins was not better than any of those guys. Please, listen. I know Justin Jefferson was fantastic. I know he's on Ryan's fantasy team. Do not mention him in the same category as DeAndre Hopkins right now, please. He's not. Check. Check. Go back. Go back. Go to the look. PFF again who had like no, no, no. Mitch Trubisky mm-hmm. ranked like as like the fourth best quarterback in the NFL. Go, go back and look. Go back and look. The well, stuff that know, Jefferson was doing. Year. So again, so let me get back to Hill for a minute. Part of part of Hill's um, lore, obviously, is that he's able to turn ordinary plays and turn them into six. And Hill obviously had an absurd 17 touchdowns this year, 15 receiving, two rushing in just the 15 games. But in the playoffs, it's sort of been a different story. Outside of last year's AFC title game, Hill has zero postseason receiving touchdowns, and that's since 2016. Again, I'm not sure if that's like when, you know, an NBA offense. So the Bucs, for example, go to the playoffs and everything flips and it doesn't work. But at least he's to be mentioned. I mean, he's getting the yards and getting the targets, but he's not turning plays into six. If Casey's going to run away with this one, which I think is what will happen. I think the Bills either win in a squeaker or Casey just crushes them because Mahomes is Mahomes. I think they need to get Hill heavily involved. I think Kelsey obviously needs to be the focal point, but Hill needs to get heavily involved. And that can that can mean running him out of the backfield. Their running backs are bad. So running them out of the backfield is an option. Tons of, sw- tons of screens and um, jet sweeps and things like that to get him involved. I, I just love to see Andy Reid use him in a way to put pressure on Buffalo's second and third levels. Targets aren't the issue, obviously. 26 in his last two playoff games. But i just like to see more dangerous targets for Hill. Because if Hill can pop the roof off this thing and put down Trey White, as you mentioned, this thing could be over fast. So that, to me, is the main one we got to watch. What are we getting from Cole Beasley? And what are we getting from Tyreek Hill? It's going to be... Diggs is going to be Diggs, but what are those other guys going to do? My pick... Here's my concern is I think Mahomes is going to be closer to 90% than he is 70. And if that's the case, like put it this way, if Mahomes with healthy, healthy, what's this line? Seven and a half. Oh no. 
No, I think they're assuming that he's healthy, healthy. Like if he never got a concussion and they won by 14 over the Browns last week, it's probably four and a half at most. My dream scenario is it's Buffalo Green Bay. Cause it's just, I think that'll be the most entertaining, but I think three just isn't enough at home for me to go away from Kansas city. So I'm going to go Kansas city here. So a, a couple of things. I know I haven't given my pick, but we're, we'll get out of here on this. We're going to have two weeks after this until the Super Bowl. And what do they love? Storylines. So here are the storylines that you would have. You have, if Kansas City and the Bucks win, the passing of the torch, the best that ever was to the best that ever could be. If you have the Packers and the Chiefs, you have the previous MVP with this MVP. It, again, is Aaron Rodgers ready to die? Is Mahomes ready to be? Is Mahomes going to be the second best quarterback on the field ever? You have the, that storyline. You have the Bills and the Packers, two teams in small, uh, in small um, regions that have that have large fan bases that have traditionally, you know, with the Bills been up and down, well, mostly down. With the Packers, there has been a bit of a drought, and then with Kansas City. Um, and then uh, my apologies with uh, Bills Bucks. It's Tom Brady stomping on the Bills once again. Is that going to happen? The Bills offense has not looked like lights out the past two weeks, and a lot of a lot of that, if not all of it, is because they played the Ravens and the Colts, who are very very good defenses. This team does not have a good defense. Ian, you've mentioned picking with your head and picking with your heart. You can't bet against Mahomes in the spot. You can't. You just can't. But I'm going to. I'm going to ride with Connor. I'm going to take the Bills. I'm going to take the Bills. I think that they're going to look at this this defense and say, finally. I mean, I hope it's the Bills. Like, if Allen does this, if Allen beats Mahomes on the road, like the discussion that we are going to be having about his placement in the league is going to be fucking unbelievable considering where we were 12 months ago with him. I mean, if he does this, this is the stuff of like legends. I'm out. I'm out. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't bet against Mahomes at home at three points i can't do it if it was four and a half i'd probably take the bills i i, I would I, I can't do it i can't do it mahomes kansas city covering so ian ryan and i both have the packers and the chiefs connor has both dogs so either connor's going to be the, the goat or connor's going to be goat <laughs> the goat we did it championship weekend we made it through. We have a winner of our latest contest, Connor Murph. Oh, sorry, Murph and Coach Colville. Thank you both so much for joining us. Ian, please sign us off of the podcast. Thank everyone. Thank you to everyone for listening to us again. We appreciate it. Um, thanks for hearing us out off the top. Thanks again to Tim and Sid for an incredible run. And thank you to Coach Colville and Connor for coming back. Look, I mean, these picks have been a blast all year. We're, uh, you know, we got one more NFL, one one or two more NFL podcasts before we sort of wrap it up until the NFL draft. So uh, enjoy this one. Please stay safe out there. Enjoy the amazing football weekend we have coming up. And as always, guys, wear your mask.